0: Welcome to this Pure Voice activity. To access the entire activity, including downloadable slides and transcript, go to www.peervoice.com forward/mww. This activity is supported by an unrestricted educational grant from Bear Healthcare Pharmaceuticals Incorporated. Bear has had no involvement in the selection of the speakers, the development of the activity, the agenda, or the materials. Welcome to this Peer Voice peer to peer panel discussion on metastatic hormone sensitive prostate cancer. This activity comprises three presentations featuring Professors Matthew Smith and Bertrand Tombal. At any time during this presentation, you may download supporting materials and share this activity with colleagues. Hello, I'm Dr.
1: Matthew Smith from Harvard Medical School and the Massachusetts General Hospital Cancer Center in Boston, Massachusetts. Welcome to this activity on advances in metastatic hormone sensitive prostate cancer. Joining me in this discussion today is my colleague, Professor Bertrand Tombal from Cliniques Universitaires Saint Luke in Brussels, Belgium. Welcome, Bertrand.
2: Hello. Thanks for having me, Matthew.
1: Um, based on results of multiple randomized controlled trials, we now have clear evidence that the addition of either docetaxel or an androgen receptor pathway inhibitor to androgen deprivation therapy improves overall survival compared to androgen deprivation therapy alone. Today, we'll be discussing newer data showing that further intensification of systemic treatment further improves clinical outcomes with an improvement in overall survival uh, using a combination of darolutamide, docetaxel, and androgen deprivation therapy. Let's examine that evidence.
2: Being European, I will choose first the EAU guidelines. They have evolved over the time and to me, the most important recommendation that was made a few months ago was that we should not offer androgen deprivation monotherapy to patients who presented with metastatic disease uh, either at entry or during uh, recurrence. That was a strong recommendation. Beside that, the guidelines uh, recommend multiple choices. Uh, Docetaxel, abiraterone, and zalutomide, apalutamide, and for syst- the systemic treatment, interestingly, they don't mention any uh, any quote regarding volume, aggressiveness, age of uh, whatever. The only mention to volume is in the recommendation for prostate radiotherapy, which is only recommended in patients whose first presentation is M1 disease, and who have low disease. Uh, volume by charted criteria, but mostly the most important recommendation is we should stop ADT monotherapy.
1: So Bertrand, do you generally follow the EAU guidelines in your in your practice? Do you agree with the lack of specific guidance as it relates to cancer volume, particularly as it relates to use of docetaxel?
2: To be honest, in, in many situations, we are conflicted between the strong guidelines recommendation and observation from trials or even simply, uh, you know, r- regulatory constraints. So there's still kind of an issue here between what guidelines says and what clinicians do really in, in, in practice. Also keep in mind that in Europe, many countries only have access to docetaxel at this point in time. Well
1: well said. Uh, the guidelines in the United States uh, really mirror very nicely the EAU guidelines. These are the NCCN guidelines. Uh, clinical practice guidelines, which are are widely used. And for patients with metastatic hormone-sensitive prostate cancer, category one recommendation is ADT plus either uh, an androgen receptor pathway inhibitor, abiraterone acetate, apalutamide, or enzalutamide, or treatment with docetaxel. Here too, there's no specific distinction based on volume of diseases. NCCN also makes the point about addition of radiation therapy to the prostate primary tumor for patients with low volume uh, M1 disease uh, in in addition to AD, in addition to ADT and intensification with one of those other agents. So Bertrand, can you will you summarize the evidence uh, of recent years that's really led to these uh, multiple important advances in the field and and you know, consistent national treatment guidelines?
2: It started historically with uh, Docetaxel. Docetaxel has really become the standard of care in many countries and I must say unchallenged in many European countries. Uh, and when I speak unchallenged, is mostly by uh, reimbursement authorities who have always seen a uh, very high economic value in the Docetaxel alone uh, treatment. Uh, then it was rapidly followed by... Uh, Abirateron, it's, so Latitude and uh, Stampede read, read out the same point. Very interestingly, Stampede was not limited to uh, high-risk and low-risk patients. Uh, and there, there's even an M0 arm that has been presented recently. So the, the benefit of Abirateron was really seen across all stages of the disease. But the license was given uh, only in high-risk patient. Uh, based on the latitude data, and then came the era of apelutomide and zalutomide. And now we're going to speak about darlutomide. Also very interesting for anzalutomide, at least in Europe, EMA for one of the first time really incorporate the two trial in the dossier. And at the time the uh, dossier was submitted at EMA, Arches has not yet provided OS data, and it was really based on the academic trial that enzalutamide was registered in the setting. Uh, Apalutamide was at the same time and we're going to speak more about. So it's really a wealth of data that cover uh, different stage of prostate cancer. Low volume, high volume, de novo, uh, at recurrence. And now the trick will be how do we use all that wealth of data. Very interestingly, if you look at very, very high level The hazard ratio is extremely consistent for all the drug at all the time point. And if you look also clearly, you see that overall survival is increasing over time. So that's probably the main achievement we have increased with all this drug, the lifespan of the patient. So that's a great achievement. And forever, we can be proud of having been part of this.
1: Thank you, Bertrand. That's an extraordinary summary about... Really incredible uh, body of, of data and uh, demonstrating the progress that we've made. And I think you made a really nice point that is, that it's the consistency across these trials that lends support to the strength of this approach. This is not uh, limited to a single large randomized controlled trial, it's a consistent observation across numerous uh, large randomized controlled trials. They each have their differences, and we can celebrate those differences because that actually has helped us learn a lot about the different disease states. So you made the nice point that um, with the AR pathway inhibitors, the benefit has been observed consistently you know, from high volume to low volume, high risk, low risk, um, depending on your choice of terminology. But that doesn't seem to be the conclusion with the docetaxel data. Do you think that's a real difference? Uh, is there something different about docetaxel, or is it could it just be the the um, vagaries of the trial design and, and timing of when these trials were conducted? Uh,
2: I believe there is some part of variation between the trial that that that's for sure. These patients they have a different biology, but actually, if you look at the recently published Stampede docetaxel data, and I was privileged enough to be very close to the Stampede group, we are. I have a slightly different approach on these uh, low volume patients. The the problem I believe that the low volume are more heterogeneous than the high volume. The high, it's bad cancer, they're all bad. The low volume, it's a a very large group, much larger than the high volume. And we we never get a chance to really look at the distribution of these different subgroups. And that's where Stampede, because of its large number, probably correct that heterogeneity. And what is to me the most important, it's actually, it's the largest trial with the more robust follow-up that seems to show that also in low-volume disease, there is a benefit for docetaxin.
1: Yeah, and that that certainly makes good sense, right? We don't believe that high and low-volume Accurately captures the biology of a heterogeneous disease. Well said. So PeerVoice uh, performed a survey of medical oncologists and, and urologists in the US and in Europe to get a sense for their current management of patients with metastatic hormone sensitive prostate cancer. And the data are displayed here. And notably, the most commonly used regimen for patients with MHSPC for both oncologists and urologists is the androgen deprivation therapy alone. Bertrand, what do you think of that observation?
2: I still fear that many people live on the idea that uh, we can give a little bit of ADT then select the patient who responds well. And uh, they don't see that huge consistency where primarily primarily the first message is that, no, you should give something. So. Uh, to me, uh, I was a little bit shocked. We should stop doing ADT alone if we don't have a good reason to do so.
1: In the United States, the rates of ADT monotherapy are much higher than 35% for metastatic hormone-sensitive disease, which is even more upsetting in, in many ways. Um, and I think for in speaking to community clinicians, medical oncologists, and urologists about this, I think there's a commonly held view that, well, you can always give those drugs later, uh, and while the studies that you nicely summarized were not formally sequencing trials, we know from the data that at a very high rate, patients in the control groups received such subsequent life-prolonging therapy. And so the overall survival benefits that were observed were despite those high rates of subsequent therapy. So that 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 argument or that that explanation that they can always get the drugs later really is not sound because we know that that's exactly what was, was done in the trials. And despite high rates of subsequent therapy... Uh, early treatment intensification, prolonged overall survival in a very important way.
2: Yeah, and at least at least uh, in, in several, some of the regula- registration trials, I mean, they were criticized because they were run into country with limited access to this drug. But if you look at a study like Chartered, uh, like uh, Enzamet, uh, and, and like the Arrescence uh, you will present, they were run in country with a broad access to, early access to drug in the castration-resistant setting. So if you look at the patient kinetic, you can say these trials are almost early versus delayed treatment. So I think that the argument of starting ADT, waiting what's happening, it, it, it's, not, it's not at all a good argument again. And, and we, that, that should be our first focus. So
1: let me briefly summarize what we've discussed in, in this section uh, based on strong evidence of an overall survival benefit in multiple randomized controlled trials. Androgen deprivation therapy alone should no longer be considered the standard of care for most patients with metastatic hormone-sensitive prostate cancer. Intensification by either addition of an androgen receptor pathway inhibitor or docetaxel improves overall survival in patients with metastatic hormone-sensitive disease. Uh, And as you've also heard, in selected patients with low-volume Metastatic hormone sensitive prostate cancer, there may be an important role for prostate radiation therapy. Thank you. Hello, I'm Dr. Matthew Smith from Harvard Medical School in the Massachusetts General Hospital Cancer Center in Boston, Massachusetts. Welcome to this activity on advances in metastatic hormone sensitive prostate cancer. Joining me today in this discussion is my colleague, Professor Bertrand Tombal from Cliniques Universitaires St. Luke in Brussels, Belgium. Welcome, Bertrand.
2: Thank you, and happy to be here.
1: In this second part of our discussion, we'll consider the evidence that further intensification can increase overall survival in patients with MHSPC. Specifically, we'll be discussing the triplet therapy of androgen deprivation therapy in combination with docetaxel and an androgen receptor pathway inhibitor. Let me begin by describing the ARISENS study Aracens included more than 1,300 patients with newly diagnosed metastatic hormone-sensitive prostate cancer, an ECOG performance status of zero or one, and who were candidates for treatment with androgen deprivation therapy and docetaxel. The historical context of this study is important because it was designed Soon after, the first evidence that the addition of docetaxel to androgen deprivation therapy improved overall survival. So the control arm for aerosens was ADT and docetaxel. Patients enrolled in aerosens were randomized to either darolutamide or placebo within 12 weeks of starting androgen deprivation therapy. And then patients in both groups received six cycles of docetaxel starting within six weeks of randomization. The primary analysis for Erisens was pre-specified and event-driven. Uh, it occurred after a total of more than 300 deaths were observed. Compared to placebo, darolutamide significantly improved overall survival. Darolutamide reduced the risk of death by more than 32%, the hazard ratio is 0.68. Importantly, this improvement in overall survival was observed despite a high rate of subsequent life prolonging therapies in the placebo group. So while not formally a sequencing study, the vast majority of patients in the placebo group did receive subsequent therapy with either an androgen receptor, pathway inhibitor, or other life-prolonging treatment. The overall survival benefit was consistently observed across pre-specified subgroups. Shown here are the outcomes for patients with de novo versus for current metastatic disease. Consistent benefit for darolutamide was also seen across the key secondary endpoints, including time to castration-resistant prostate cancer, time to pain progression, symptomatic skeletal event-free survival, and time to first symptomatic skeletal event. Consistent with the favorable safety profile of darolutamide in prior studies, including the ARAMIS study and non-metastatic CRPC, Darolutamide had a favorable safety profile in ARICENS. The rates of any adverse event, serious adverse event, and adverse events leading to treatment discontinuation were similar between the darolutamide and placebo groups. Bertrand, how do the results of ARICENS compare to the recently reported results of PIECE-1?
2: So uh, as for ARICENS, I think it's important to understand the context this trial was designed. Uh, PIECE is pure academic trial that was designed and supervised by Unicancer together with other collaborative group. And uh, when we discussed the trial in 2012-2013, Latitude was ongoing, Stampede was ongoing, and uh, Abi was really seen as the, uh, the new kit on the block. But we were thinking about uh, the potential uh, added value of uh, local treatment. So uh, because it's an academic trial, we usually have more liberty in the methodology. So the decision was taken to uh, address the two questions at the same time into a two by two randomization. So it was uh, ADT alone versus ADT plus ABI plus radiotherapy or plus a combination of two. Uh, We are speaking only about de novo uh, metastatic castration sensitive prostate cancer. So no recurrent patient and they were including uh, whether they had high or low volume. But you see also that at the beginning, uh, they were stratified not according to high or low, which I do repeat, I believe is kind of artificial, but versus uh, lymph node bone visceral. So Karim initially reported at ESMO uh, 2001 the radiographic PFS and show a major benefit with a reduction of uh, 50% in the risk of uh, progression. Keep in mind that the median were reported in year and not in months. So uh, this was a doubling of the time to progression. What is important also to realize is that uh, because the study span over uh, a certain period of time the study had recruited quite rapidly but uh, then As you mentioned, it appeared clear that docetaxel was also a standard of care. There was a mix of patients receiving docetaxel or not in the trial. So I think that the steering committee took a very wise decision that was to make uh, docetaxel obligatory uh, for some patients. So basically, uh, there is a whole group of patients who may have received docetaxel or not. But then, the, the tail of the trial, the last few hundred patients would receive ADT plus obligatory docetaxel, and then be randomised in the two by two. So that trial actually also uh, assess a quadruplet therapy with ADT plus docetaxel plus AB plus radiotherapy, which we don't have the result yet. Then Karim also reported the overall survival result and show. A benefit in the overall study population but also and that's why it resonates more with the uh, Arison trial in the ADT plus docetaxel population. Why is it important? Because um, these trials were not the first to uh, report uh, triplet therapy but if you remember well uh, the Enzamed trial had shown very interestingly on sub-analysis little of no effect in the patient receiving the ADT plus docetaxel and enzalutamide and the Titan result at that point in time went also kind of unclear. So clearly uh, these two trials were the first to uh, to show that in a pure ADT plus docetaxel population, so a population uh, that the, the investigator believe he required docetaxel Abiraterone increased significantly overall survival. So you have a large uh, commercially led trial which is arisense and then you've got a very nice, nicely designed, pragmatic, academic trial who absolutely confirmed the trial, the result uh, regarding the ADT plus docetaxel plus one of the AR pathway inhibitors. So it is a extremely important confirmation. And once again, very importantly, look at the consistent of the result. We're not speaking about a 5% reduction of the risk of death. We are speaking about very significant uh, benefit in that setting.
1: Based on aerosens and p one, uh, is that sufficient information to conclude that the triplet of ADT docetaxel in an AR pathway inhibitor is superior to ADT and docetaxel?
2: To me, at least, these two trials together are enough to say that uh, a a triplet with ADT plus docetaxel plus an AR pathway inhibitor is better than a doublet with ADT plus docetaxel. And that's extremely important information.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And further follow-up on those other trials, while I'm sure it will eventually be reported, really is unnecessary to to, to reach the conclusion that's already been made here. Those other trials that we're talking about, relatively few number of patients, and another important distinction is that the use of docetaxel was at the clinician's discretion. So that creates all kinds of other potential biases. So erisens all the patients received docetaxel, and as, as you nicely described in piece one, the latter few hundred patients in the docetaxel cohort were required to receive docetaxel. So that eliminates all the various biases that could confound the results of enzymat and titan, for example, on that point. How do you think about Which patients should be prioritized for triplet therapy in your practice, Bertrand?
2: I think for for us, we we discuss all these patients in in MDT. Has it changed my way? Yes. For all those patients, we believe ADT plus docetaxel uh, was the standard of care. We can now give the triplet. No. Does it mean that the occasional patient with a single bone mass with a Gleason 7 is a candidate for any doublet or any triplet, that's a different question. But I think that to me, the triplet becomes the rule in every patient with aggressive disease. And that goes way beyond simple high volume, high risk.
1: Yeah, and I think that's really the important distinction. So the way I, the way I think about it is this remarkable consistency of observations that an AR pathway inhibitor improves overall survival in MHSPC low volume, low risk, high volume, high risk. Whether the comparison is ADT alone or ADT and docetaxel, we see this consistent, clear, and large overall survival benefits. So for me, ADT plus an AR pathway inhibitor should be administered to the vast majority of patients, nearly all patients with MHSPC. That's true, whether it's de de novo or recurrent. And then I think the the question of who should also receive docetaxel on top of that doublet, Um, of course, it's going to depend on the age and health of the patient, whether they're a suitable candidate for docetaxel, although that's often in the the beholder. Sometimes it's like looking in the mirror, like, have you decided that you want, that you're enthusiastic about this approach or not? But really, most of our patients are are candidates for docetaxel. And I don't think really any almost any patient should be receiving ADT and docetaxel alone as a doublet, because we now have clear data from two randomized controlled trials that we can improve overall survival with very little added toxicity.
2: Yeah, and also I think something important is that I hear a lot yeah, patients patient don't want docetaxel. Most of the patient you say, you know, the state of the art, you've got aggressive disease, we believe that three treatment is better than one, is more kind of unwilling physician.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a rare patient who would say, Yeah, I've looked, as you say, I've looked at the evidence, and I would prefer to choose the regimen that has a shorter survival. So it it really is, I think, a a critical part of our interactions with patients to move away from this historical reference of how we used to do things a decade or two ago, and begin with the contemporary evidence for the best uh, treatment regimen for the patient in front of us. And I'll briefly summarize, I think, the takeaways from what we've talked about in this session, and that is really that. We have now further evidence that ADT alone is no longer an appropriate standard of care for the vast majority of patients with metastatic hormone sensitive prostate cancer. So nearly all patients with MHSPC should receive uh, an androgen receptor pathway inhibitor in addition to androgen deprivation therapy. And most, based on the evidence from Aerosens and PS1, should receive triplet therapy with ADT docetaxel and an AR pathway inhibitor. Specifically, either darolutamide or abiraterone acetate. Thank you. Hello, I'm Dr. Matthew Smith from Harvard Medical School and Massachusetts General Hospital Cancer Center in Boston, Massachusetts. Welcome to this activity on advances in metastatic hormone-sensitive prostate cancer. Joining me in this discussion is my colleague, Professor Bertrand Tombal from Cliniques Universitaires Saint-Luc in Brussels, Belgium. Welcome, Bertrand.
2: Hi. Thank you for being here.
1: In this final part of our program, we're going to apply the knowledge uh, from the the earlier sessions to a couple of specific cases and really see how you may translate this new information about intensification of systemic treatment to specific patients. So let's begin with our first case. Patient 1, Andre, was diagnosed with prostate cancer after presenting with pain in his back and hips. He's 67 years old. His PSA is 103 nanograms per ml. Prostate biopsies reveal extensive Gleason-4 4 plus 4 disease. And he has conventional imaging studies that demonstrate extensive bone metastases throughout his axial and appendicular skeleton. His past medical history is notable for hypertension and type 2 diabetes. The latter is well controlled with medications. So Bertrand, how do you think about managing this patient and what would your be what would be your choice? in systemic treatment?
2: these patients, I would say nowadays are kind of easy to treat. So we would initiate, because the patient is symptomatic and painful, we would initiate very rapidly, probably an trait antagonist, the uh, garlics. And then we would see the patient like, you know, two, three days after, be sure everything is going well. And immediately uh, we would speak about intensification with chemotherapy and hormone therapy. I mean, uh, we would avoid putting the patient in a situation where we start to discuss the benefit of one of or, or, or the other. And, you know, to be honest, most of the patient, the question they ask is, when do we start? So uh, the discussion of what kind of androgen receptor pathway inhibitor, uh, to be honest, at this point in time, we use only... Uh, Abiraterone in that setting and we are eagerly waiting to get access to darolutamide. Also, we don't sequence like they did, for instance, in the TITAN trial. We usually give both at the same time because that's important. When the patient asks why, I say because you have a bad disease. We want to make you live longer, but we also want to keep the disease under control as long as possible. As for the side effect of the treatment, I like to say, because that's one of my main topic of interest, that actually, if you look on the long term, the most toxic of all is ADT itself, because chemotherapy will be kind of a you know, transient toxicity, easily manageable. And, uh, but ADT, we need to do something. You're going to have to exercise. You're going to have to look at your bone marrow. And that's something we always discuss about toxic toxicity of chemotherapy, toxicity of AR pathway inhibitor, but two years down the line, the only toxicity that will be the one of androgen suppression.
1: Yeah, well said. And I also like, I think you made a really important point that you really just get on with the treatment. You know, I think there's a misunderstanding from the, the study designs that there's some need to Delay or wait until you add these 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 other drugs. The reason for the timing, for example, in Aerosense, we allowed up to twelve weeks of prior androgen deprivation therapy, is basically to allow for referral to the from the community into sites where the study was being conducted. There was no intention <laughs> to delay the initiation of darolutamide in that case. Uh, and similarly, the the interval between randomization and docetaxel was just to provide investigator and treatment team's flexibility, but I think you're absolutely right. It should be made a priority to get on with the treatment and take some of the drama out of it for, for the patient.
2: We often start, for instance, anzalutamide uh, or apalutamide two, three days before the ADT is given. So we've got that flare protection effect. The it needs like a little bit of organization. You know, they need to see the, uh, the oncologist. We say, we're gonna start in two, three weeks. But we don't wait months either, or two months, we start right away. We, 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 we have to make these treatments simple and kind of automatic.
1: I agree, we always need to change the terminology. So contemporary androgen deprivation therapy should be considered for in the setting of MHSPC at least, you know, a GnRH agonist or antagonist plus an androgen receptor pathway inhibitor. That is androgen deprivation therapy. ADT alone is is certainly no longer adequate in the the vast majority of patients with this disease. How do you you approach um, a situation, say, where a colleague of yours at one of your multidisciplinary clinics said, yeah, I know the team's recommendation is triplet therapy, but when I talked to the patient, they really weren't enthusiastic about chemotherapy. And I think we hear a lot of this from in the United States, at least from both urologists and medical oncologists. How do you address that kind of concern in your practice?
2: That that I, I believe the first is to understand why, why that fear. We don't do that many times, but when somebody say, I don't want that, we say, what's your fear? And I think that we, we had a huge time to uh, study about fear and misconception when you speak about the COVID vaccine, you know, many people say, I don't want a COVID vaccine. And then you say, why? And then many times people need to be reassured. Like a few days ago, I, I, I met a patient who said, you know, I'm not too much into chemotherapy. Um, my sister had leukemia. She was hospitalized. I say, you know, we, we are not speaking about the same chemotherapy. The guy was a uh, restaurant owner. And I say, but you know, he say, I say, when when is your closure day? He say, it's on Monday. No problem. We're going to do your docetaxel on Monday. And I guarantee you that you're going to be able to work most of the time in your restaurant. So we, we have to reassure people because chemotherapy, is a broad name. It goes from docetaxel single agent to uh, this unbelievably heavy regimen they give in hematology. So that's why we have to go more than that chemotherapy I avoid I use I I try to make it simple and say you know that's one drug it's going to be outpatient yeah I agree very very nicely said
1: so let's go to our second case would you like to present this case Bertrand
2: so that that's the second case because I agree that the second one would be not that frequent but we see them from time to time and I see that probably even less appropriately treated so uh, Marcus, he, four years ago, he was diagnosed with locally advanced prostate cancer, was treated with ADT plus two years of radiotherapy, and then I don't know, for whatever reason, he did not understand the complete uh, remission principle and the need to be monitored, and the guy disappeared into oblivion, and its GP actually realized, two years down the line, so four years from the diagnosis, that he, he never had his PSA taken. And then that's where things are very bad because the PSA is like 20 nanogram per ml. The guy actually uh, on the histology had a Gleason 10 cancer, so he should have been monitored. So in Europe, we know we do uh, a lot of PET-PSMA and that's kind of a, an unbelievably positive PET-PSMA with uh, multiple bone metastases. That's really a high volume on PET-PSMA. And we know that many of these patients will be high volume on conventional imaging as well. So uh, that is a high volume asynchronous metastatic prostate cancer. Uh, The guy is still well. He's got like a slightly elevated creatinine, mite hypertension and dyslipidemia, which are perfectly uh, covered by a statin and uh, and a uh, anti-hypertensive drug. So what, what, what would you do for that patient, Matt?
1: Yeah, so this is a patient who would have been included in the Aerosens trial. Uh, We did not require de novo metastatic disease, and about 14% of patients had recurrent metastatic disease. Um, And we also included patients regardless of tumor volume. The the analyses by high volume, low volume, high risk, low risk will be forthcoming in aerosens. Those analyses have not been done yet, but we, we have seen the data that the benefit of the triplet therapy is consistent for both de novo and recurrent metastatic disease. And in a lot of ways, I worry about this patient more than our first patient um, because we know something about the tempo of his disease. Despite intensive appropriate therapy for high-risk localized disease, he rapidly progresses uh, with, you know, with widespread metastatic disease in, in a couple of years off of ADT. Uh, and even if he was, would have been classified as low-volume, I'd still be worried about the distinct, unfavorable biology of his cancer. Uh, and also, the other point you made, he was a relatively young guy in good health. So this is a man who's destined to die of prostate cancer. He has fatal prostate cancer, and we need to offer him every opportunity to do well. So this is a patient with recurrent high-volume metastatic disease. And I would extend it to say, even if he had low-volume metastatic disease, I would offer triplet therapy. So it would be you know, prompt treatment with ADT uh, and an androgen receptor pathway inhibitor, and then uh, as quickly as we could start him on treatment with, with And i really changed my approach to these patients in clinic. I think soon after the, you know, when we were first seeing the early data from charted and Stampede, I'd have discussions with patients describing how you know, the standard approach being ADT alone, and now there's this new information about adding docetaxel. But we really need to get away from that historical context. We now have mature data from many, many trials showing a survival benefit for intensification. And, and much like you did in the prior case, simply advise the patient that it's a serious illness, and the standard of care based on contemporary evidence is uh, ADT, docetaxel, and androgen receptor pathway inhibitor, and we would offer that to the patient. And I would follow your good advice uh, and try to understand his concerns if he had any pushback about um, receiving chemotherapy for his for his cancer. What are your thoughts, Bertrand? Do you but I, I
2: think that um, one of the common mistakes we've been doing over the year is to extend the concept of low volume and high volume to the patient with recurrence. And actually, the prognostic factors are well known. It's a high Gleason, a short interval between recurrence and a rapid PSA doubling time. And if you look at uh, like Johns Hopkins series and you plot the uh, uh, survival and the uh, metastasis-free survival of patients who had a Gleason period to 7, so 8 to 10, a short interval to recurrence and a high PSA doubling time. These patients have equally very high aggressive disease. And I would absolutely argue that a guy, which is a rapid recurrence after, uh, after prostatectomy radiotherapy, done for a high Gleason with a rapid PSA doubling time, should be treated by intensified treatment, preferably a triplet, notwithstanding one, two, three, four, five metastases. And I think that for these patients, giving them like a small shot of radiotherapy on one metastasis actually is not supported by phase three evidence. And we, we should much better stratify these patients with recurring disease and the aggressive patient should be treated aggressively.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, we lose a lot of information when we simply categorize patients as high volume and low volume. There's a lot more, lot more going on. And I think you nicely described the clinical considerations as to how we should think about the biology of of recurrent prostate cancer. So let me briefly summarize what we've talked about and uh, incorporated contemporary findings in the management of MHSPC in in these two cases. So uh, ADT alone is no longer the standard of care for MHSPC. We should really almost think about a new nomenclature. Contemporary androgen deprivation therapy in patients with MHSPC is ADT plus an androgen receptor pathway inhibitor. And for many patients, uh, triplet therapy is preferable, um, and that being ADT, docetaxel, and an AR pathway inhibitor, specifically either derolutamide or Eberad or an acetatin. Thanks for your interest in this program. Thank you, Bertram.
2: Thank you so much for inviting me. It was a pleasure. This has
0: been an activity published by Pure Voice.